Hi guys, hope everyone is well and welcome to episode 2 of the Improvement Podcast. This episode is going to be about transitioning back into the gyms. Considering in Scotland the gyms are opening in less than two weeks, which is exciting, and in England they are currently open and have just opened on the Monday, just past. So, as well as that, I'll just give a quick update on where I'm at, at myself at the start. So, I am currently in a gaining phase. I've had quite a good week, everything's going pretty well. I am just recovered from a exertion headache, which is just a just a really sore headache, it's like a pounding feeling in the back of your head caused by, as the name suggests, exertion, your, exerting yourself, sorry. So uh, yeah, I'm glad to be back at training, I've definitely missed it a lot and I've really noticed the difference from just having like a week and a bit off, like the amount of fatigue I've dropped because uh, my numbers just skyrocketed this week even when I wasn't quite going 100% to make sure my head's back at uh, full health and not sore again so yeah really happy with how everything's went ticked off 150 kilo squat which I'm quite happy with and uh, currently weighing 199 pounds this morning I believe which is uh, the heaviest I've ever been so quite happy with that and I'm quite happy with how we look at this weight to be fair I think I've put on around 20 about 25 pounds or 12 and a half kilos since I started my diet and I'm not that fat yet, so quite happy. So uh, yeah, kicking off, starting with how to transition back into the gyms. The first thing I'd recommend when you get back into the gym is make sure you've got rock bottom volume. And what I mean by this is make sure you're not doing like incredibly high amount of sets and reps when you get back into the gyms. And the reason being is when you get back into the gym, this is you like being exposed to what's called a new stimulus. So just something that you're not used to in terms of exercise so just like anything like if you do a marathon after not running before if you do any sort of exercise that you're not used to most of the time you feel pretty sore just from not being used to it and your body not being adapted to dealing with the level of stimulus so this is what will happen if you transition back into the gyms if you've either not been training or if you even have had a decent level of kit, you're probably going to get incredibly sore if you just r- jump right back in and they train at your normal volume, so volume being sets times reps. So what I'd recommend you do is when you get back into the gym, regardless of if you've had a decent level of kit or not, is only probably one working set per exercise will be fine. So if you're used to doing two to three sets per exercise for the first week, I'd recommend just doing the one and uh, you'll probably still get sore off that if you're training to failure on each exercise. So yeah, if you've had a decent level of kit, I'd probably train to failure on each movement. And uh, if you've not had any kit at all really, just do one working set per exercise, maybe leave a rep or two in the tank and then that will stop you from being absolutely crippled after the first week due to being really sore. From simply not being used to doing that level of volume or doing like those movements that you're not used to doing Uh, so yeah that's the first thing I'd recommend so make sure your volume is really low and then after the first week you can maybe go back to doing two sets per exercise week after that maybe three sets per exercise or uh, you could jump up to three the second week you might be a bit sore so uh, just be mindful of that but you should be fine Uh, 
doing it the third week, if not the second. So the second point I want to make is comment on rest days. Uh, some people have the approach, and I have definitely had this approach in the past, that is more is better. So more is not always better, uh, and I'm a strong believer of this. So when your muscles, rec you need to ensure you let your muscles recover and give them time to recover. Because if you don't let them recover, your performance will not be as high as it would if you did make sure they recover. And as a result, the total load you can lift is decreased. So what I mean by this is, if uh, you train legs every second day when they're not fully recovered, then you'll still go into a session maybe a bit sore and your muscles won't be 100%. So you can go into a session and just from training two days ago, your load on exercises like the squat, for example, might be affected. So it might mean you won't be able to lift as heavy. As a result of this, you're not lifting as much load during your sessions and during each exercise. And in my opinion, the amount of load you can lift directly correlates to the amount of muscle you have. What I mean by this is, if you look at the biggest guys in the world, in terms of like bodybuilders or anyone really, they're all strong. They also can, they all can do crazy stuff in the gym, every single one of them. Well, obviously, you get the genetic anomaly, the, the ones that don't really do that crazy training but for the most part 90% of individuals who are at the top of like bodybuilding or are just extremely big you see them do some wacky stuff in the gym if that's lifting extremely heavy weight or doing a ton of reps with like a moderate weight well it's still probably heavy for most of us but or if they do a ton of sets in the gym then what for whatever it is uh, regardless, they do something pretty like crazy or they lift a decent amount of load. So what I recommend is make sure you prioritise rest and don't just overdo yourself. Don't uh, just let yourself burn out. And yeah, make sure you're resting so that load is high because that's the main driver of hypertrophy. So what I mean by this is there's three things that cause muscle growth. There is mechanical tension which is simply the amount of load you lift there is metabolic stress which is like when uh, you get lactic acid building up in your muscles and other metabolites which is from just a lack of oxygen in your muscles which is typically from high rep sets and you also get something called muscle damage which is usually occurred during the eccentric portion of a lift and uh, yeah so mechanical tension so the load you lift is the main driver of hypertrophy which just means you should prioritize load simple as that uh, so what i mean what you should also do is not not just rush your set so it's not it's not a challenge of how much work you can do in the smallest time possible you don't want your uh you don't want your cardiovascular system limiting how much load you can lift or how much reps you do you want to make sure you're fresh ready to go before each set in the gym so that your muscle fails not your cardiovascular system so getting off that tangent also if you don't prioritize rest another thing that will happen is you will build up a decent amount of fatigue when you're training so this probably won't happen as much for really early beginners but once you get stronger if you're training every day fatigue will be much higher and what i mean by this is uh, when you train 
hard and training close to failure you get just physical and mental fatigue that builds up and fatigue can take away from how well you perform and uh, just how good you feel physically mentally and as a result it causes you to need a deload or just to take time off the gym to recover uh, and drop fatigue <clears throat> so yeah just make sure you're not doing too much and you can recover from what you're doing so if you are sleeping only six hours a night might not be a good idea to train six days a week and even if you are training or sorry even if you are like sleeping nine hours a night it's not always the best idea sleeping i mean performing six days a week you might want to take a couple rest days in order to make sure you're performing well and you've not got high levels of fatigue and the last reason not to neglect rest days is just mental burnout so not everyone can just go from not training to pedaling the metal and uh, going 100% training every day because you'll probably just give up and stop because if it's not sustainable to you, there's no point really doing it in the first place. So if you don't want to commit to training six days in the week and you can't do that consistently, then don't. There's no reason why you have to. Uh, there's no magic number of days you have to train or you won't build muscle. So I myself, I only train five days a week. However, those sessions I do are hard. So don't need to train six or seven because I get enough work out of those five days. So rest is, like I said, extremely important. So make sure you don't neglect it. And the third point is make sure you're establishing good form. So what? So you could re It's quite hard to define good form, especially for each exercise in a podcast. But I am still going to go over a few things that I believe make your form good. So. This is making sure the right muscle is targeted. So this is quite hard, again, to describe for each muscle group how to target it on the podcast. But uh, like I've, like when you're doing a bicep curl, if your whole body's moving, you're not targeting the right muscle. You're moving your body. You're using other muscles to lift a load. So in my opinion, that is not good form. So most of the time, you should only move your body in a way that targets the muscle you're trying to work. So like I've said with the bicep curl, that means you should only be moving at your elbow joint because only your elbow joint's responsible for training the bicep. So there's no point moving your legs. There's no point moving your body about, arching your back, jumping about, uh, swinging a dumbbell if you're trying to target your bicep. So make sure you isolate the right muscle group. You only move joints at work the muscle you're trying to target during your training sessions because if not it's just taken away from the load for the muscle so yes you could lift like double the weight if you swing your body about but that doesn't mean double the weight is on your bicep it could be this even less load that's actually on your bicep because if you're moving your body about that's just creating momentum taking the load off your bicep so i'd 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 really suggest just making sure everything's set in stone apart from the joints that need move to target the right muscle if that makes sense and uh, what this will also do is reduce injury risk especially on big movements that are a bit more uh, technical you don't want to be just throwing your body about in a like poor manner like on the bent over row absolutely swinging the weight about having no control over the weight that's just gonna set yourself up for an injury and uh, what else makes sure your 
what else ensures your form's good sorry is just making sure that you're controlling the load so what i mean by this is if you're doing again let's take a bicep curl for example nice and straightforward if you are like flinging it up and then just dropping the weight back down and uh, just bouncing the weight up once it gets to the bottom that's not really your bicep working more than half the time in my opinion so if you think about it if you're swinging your body then you're not really using your bicep to lift the load up you might be for some of the movement but not all of it for sure and if you don't hold the bicep or sorry hold the dumbbell at the top or at least control it at the top of the movement so when you're fully curling the bicep and squeezing your bicep then you're not really training your bicep that effectively in the shortened range or when the dumbbells closest to you and when you're squeezing your bicep so if you're not pausing there then you're not really uh, controlling the movement to your best ability in my opinion and uh, same with if you're not lowering the weight slowly and you're just letting it drop that's half the rep you're technically under training because you're not controlling the motion and uh, another good reason to do it is that's the part of the movement the eccentric portion which is simply when you lower a weight just like when you're lowering a, a dumbbell on a bicep curl or if you're lowering on a squat that's the eccentric portion which causes muscle damage and in turn that causes hypertrophy so as i said earlier uh, the main driver for hypertrophy is mechanical tension so how much weight you're lifting but we might as well uh, slow down the eccentric portion so the weight down and control it if it could help you build muscle so that's something i'd also ensure and uh, apart from that just make sure you're training hard and in a good proximity to failure so what i mean is close to failure as well as uh, training with good form because yes you can train with perfect form but if you're training like a fairy not uh, committing to each set not training hard then there's no point having the most perfect form it's definitely a balancing act than uh, just having perfect form and not training hard due to it you need to have both if you want to progress and uh, yeah doing these things will just help maximize how effective each movement is and what i'd recommend also is make sure you reset each movement when you get back into the gym so if before lockdown you thought oh my hamstring curl i'm not going all the way up i feel like i'm not controlling it i feel like i'm using my momentum from my body then reset it drop the load a tiny bit and uh, perform the movement perfect and keep it standardized the whole time so this is the same for like uh, what you should do with all other movements uh, just keep the tempo the same so the control on the way down the time it takes you to get from the top to the bottom vice versa and how you're performing the movement the same and then uh, what this will mean is if you progress the movement that's you most likely building muscle because if you, let's say you're doing a hamstring curl, you were doing it and controlling the eccentric, going three seconds on the way down. Whereas two weeks later, you do the same movement, but you don't control it at all on the way down. But you put the weight up by five kilos. You could say, oh, I'm lifting five kilos more. I've definitely built muscle. I've progressed this movement. But you're not controlling the weight down. So you're literally making the movement easier in order to lift more weight which is just doesn't mean you're building muscle it means you're making it easier for yourself and as a result uh, that's the rationale behind you like lifting more load not you're building muscle so 
that's another reason why to make sure your execution's same and standardized on a session by session basis to just ensure you're actually progressing and you can monitor progress so if it's exact same and like i said you put five kills on an exercise without changing the form without changing the tempo at all then you you should be confident that you've progressed that movement effectively and that you're getting something from that movement you're not just uh, fueling your ego etc and then the last thing that I think is very important is just to have a logbook. So I think a logbook is a uh, very beneficial, not just for performance but for motivation. So, in terms of performance, you know what you have to do on a session to session basis to apply progressive overload. So what I mean by this is, when you get in the gym, you you will know exactly what to do to beat last week's numbers. So what I mean by this is, if uh, we'll stick with the hamstring curl. If you've done, let's say, 30 kilos times 12 reps, let's say you go in the next session, you know you either have to up the load or do more reps in order to increase the stimulus. So the stimulus just being how much stress you're placing on your muscle because in order to grow a muscle, you need to apply progressive overload, which is, like I said, just increasing the stress placed on the muscle. So yeah this just lets you know if you are actually progressing if you are actually causing muscle growth to occur and uh, it just like i think it's a very foolproof way of progressing for example if you go into a session and you progress the movement that's you knowing you've done what you need to do to tick the box to grow muscle and uh, just ensure progress will take place Whereas if you go into the gym, you don't know what you've done last week and you just train hard, then uh, you don't know if you're actually progressing, if you're moving forward, if you're going to reach your goal of building muscle, if you don't actually know if you're like improving. And uh, so that's one reason to have a logbook. Another reason is motivation. So it is motivational seeing yourself move forward in life if that's in the gym, outside the gym. It's nice to see and it's somewhat addicting in my opinion. So if you are beating the logbook on a weekly basis, you're progressing consistently, then that will serve as a purpose of motivation and it will help you just train intensely as you'll see the reward of it by seeing your numbers go up in the gym. And uh, also, yeah, just by seeing yourself progress. So it should serve as a form of motivation as well as just knowing exactly what you have to do to just progress and it will let you know when you have to rotate movements as well so if you use a logbook and let's say you are we'll just stick with the hamstring curl again you're hamstring curling and you progress the weight or reps for let's say three months but then it starts to stall and you're just not being able to progress the movement I, regardless of how hard you try and your sleep's good so you're sleeping like nine hours a night obviously this is theoretical everyone might not be sleeping nine hours a night or might not be able to but this is just an example if you're sleeping nine hours a night your stress is low you're eating in a calorie surplus in order to progress and you're still not improving then you might just need to rotate the movement out uh, because you can't just progress a movement forever. For example, if you did put, uh, let's say, five kilos on your squat on a weekly basis, we'll all be like squatting extremely heavy weight. 
Uh, I'm not going to try and do the maths on how much squat, how much you'll put on in like a year or ten years, but you get the drift. You can't just put five kilos on a lift all the time and just not plateau. So there'll become times when you do stall lifts and you can't progress it even more. And this just lets you know you might have to swap the lift out for another movement. For example, if you do have a decent level of kit in your gym, you have both a seated hamstring curl and a line hamstring curl, you could then squat, splot, <laughs> sorry, I can't get my words out, you can then swap to a seated to a lying hamstring curl, vice versa. Or if you don't have it, you only have a lying, you only have a seated, you could then change the tempo, change the rep range, and also just do it single leg instead of with both legs. So that will just change the stimulus you're placing on your muscle, uh, give you a bit of exercise variation, and hopefully you should stop the movement from stalling and begin to progress it further. And uh, also something I probably should have covered before talking about when to rotate movements is just it allows you to know when you have to pull back. For example, if uh, you do stall your lifts in the gym, so let's say you've been training for 10 weeks and you do just not progress any lifts any further, so everything seems to just come to a halt, you're feeling really tired, uh, you're just feeling like you can't concentrate, nothing's progressing in the gym, and you've just reached kind of, yeah, just a breaking point, and you can't progress lifts further. So this just might be a good indication that you need to pull back. So what I mean by pull back is just take either time off the gym, so maybe like three days to a week off the gym, or just do less volume for a week. So what this will do is this will drop fatigue, and fatigue can stop you from performing well and progressing your lifts. And this is something that you should probably do before rotating movements, maybe. So if you've not like had a deload, which is called a deload, sorry, is just when you take time off or uh, do less volume in the gym, like I've just said. So if you haven't took a deload in, let's say, 10 weeks and your lifts are stalling, then this might be a sign you just need a deload. So this is probably something you may want to try before rotating movements because it could just be a case you need to take some time off to do less volume or time off the gym. Just because fatigue's built up that high and fatigue simply masks your performance. So what I mean by masks is it just uh, decreases your level of performance and can stop you from performing as well. So when when fatigue goes up, although you may be progressing in the gym, the um, the amount of output you can have and the amount of performance you can show and express in the gym will decrease. So, yeah, hope you've all enjoyed this episode. If you've got any topics you'd like me to recover to cover, sorry, just drop me a message on Instagram at Charlie J Cuthbert or on any of the platforms like uh, YouTube or any other social media platforms I am on and I'll happily uh, produce those episodes for you and cover the topics necessary and yeah hope everyone has a great day and thank you very much for listening